Pittsburgh sports fans, welcome back to another episode of Back to the Tunnel. I am Jeff Harbin, your host here for DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. We appreciate you joining us. And remember, just off the bat of the show, hey, if wherever you're listening, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, you name it, make sure you follow us because it's really important that you get all of our contact content. That includes DK's Daily Shot, et cetera. Joining me today on this Friday is Mike Kovac. He's our pit writer, covers college sports. Mike, how are you today? I am doing great, Jeff. How's it going? I cannot complain, to be honest with you. And there's been a lot of traction in some ways with college sports. But before we get to college sports, that's going to come in the second segment. I want to talk to you a little bit about just your general thoughts as someone that writes about sports. You'll jump in and cover anything from Major League Baseball to the NFL. You wrote the Bud Dupree article yesterday for the site. What do you think out of all the sports coming back? And so this would be the NHL. And the NBA, both are going to be in their respective bubbles. We're talking Toronto, Edmonton, and Orlando for the NBA. Uh, or Major League Baseball, who's going to be traveling out of the major four. Which do you think has the best case to succeed and not have the floor fall out from underneath them? We'll throw in the NFL as well, but there's still so much left with them to negotiate that we're not even sure what that's going to look like in terms of their return to play. So I, I'm sorry, the major three – NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, which one do you think has the best case to succeed during this pandemic? Well, let me uh, preface it first by saying, you know, I, I watch a lot of European soccer, and while that may not be a real popular topic around here, <laughs> I have been watching the reboot of it, and they seem to be playing, uh, you know, all the, the major professional leagues over there, whether it's England, Germany, Italy, uh, Spain, they're all playing without a hitch, not hearing a, a lot of... Uh, things about uh, positive tests within the professional teams. So that's an encouraging sign. Do they have fans in stands? Sorry to interrupt you, but do they have fans? They they do not. And you know what's weird? You know, I'm a fan. My favorite uh, side, if you want to call it that, is AS Roma. They play in the Serie A of Italy. And I am completely invested in every match without the fans. Uh, When there's a goal scored, you hear the players and the, uh, you know, the couple little – hangers on uh, with each team cheer uh, it, it picks it up you can hear communication just uh, you know just two matches ago uh, there was a, a player making a run and you could hear him clearly call the other player you know saying Diego Diego and and he got the ball and he scored off a brilliant left foot shot um, you know it, it was really neat to hear the communication between the players and and I'm actually kind of looking forward to if uh, you know, that is the scenario that we have with a lot of the professional sports. And it looks like that's where we're headed in North America, that uh, you're going to hear this type of stuff that we've never been able to hear before because of the crowd noise, the player well, communication, the coach communication. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be neat. Uh, we're going to hear a lot of colorful language, I think. Too, yeah. <laughs> the uh, NHL might need to be on tape delay because we know that those guys are like sailors. And that's not just the players. That's the officials, too. But let's dive into this for a second. You brought yeah. it up. And honestly, I have only watched the PGA Tour without fans. And it is still weird. I mean, golf is a quiet sport anyways. Mm-hmm. I grew up golfing, love the game, play a lot. But it, the only time I noticed that it was like really missing, there was a player who got a, an ace, a hole-in-one which is a monumental moment in a golfer's career. And it was just 
the players and the caddies going, oh, yeah, like that's it. You, normally there's a loud roar, whether that guy's in the back of the pack or leading the tournament or, or at the top of the, the leaderboard. Is there anything that when you're watching the, these soccer matches, football as they call it, um, is there anything that you're like, this takes, not having fans takes away? Now, you talked about some positives, being able to hear the communication. Is there anything that you're missing from fans not being in attendance from a just sitting on the couch watching the television? Uh, definitely. There's a few things, you know, uh, always uh, at the beginning of the match when they uh, bring out the officials and then, and then both teams come out, uh, they used to come out with uh, kids, you know, yeah. both teams would come out hand in hand with a kid. They're obviously not doing that right now because there's no kids at the matches. There's no fans at the matches. So the, the introductions are a little different. Uh, and as they're, uh, you know, playing uh, the, the anthems and things that, that they listen to or that they, play before the matches you look around and you see there's nobody there so that's takes a little getting used to I still quite haven't gotten acquainted with that and clearly the chanting you know uh, you know soccer fans are famous for for singing and chanting throughout the match uh, sometimes they light off uh, little fires and smoke bombs and things like that you don't get any of that uh, the hooliganism has been completely eliminated from the equation sounds dangerous uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it can. It, some places it certainly can be dangerous. So, you know, that you, you miss that. Uh, and then the goal celebrations, you know, a lot of times uh, if a, a team's at home and, and they score an important goal, they're running to uh, one of the ends of the stadium. Usually that's sort of where the rowdier, uh, more passionate, uh, crazier fans are. And they, they like to celebrate uh, with those group of fans. Uh, you know, the, the celebrations are a little more tame right now. So those are a few areas, but, uh, you know, like I said earlier, uh, in terms of just the actual, you know, the competition, the action, when you're watching it on TV and, and there's no fans there, if, if it's your team, which I feel like, you know, it, it's going to be the same for people when they watch the Penguins or the Pirates or, you know, if the Steelers or, or Pitt are in that, uh, a similar situation, you know, once you get past that, for those first couple reactions you have to it, you're invested in the action and it's, it's not going to make a lot of difference. Yeah, and that's and there are there's going to be positives and negatives to not having fans in attendance, and you know the NFL they keep toying with it, but you're seeing more and more cities like Philadelphia, for instance. They said there's not going to be any, whether that's a basketball game or whether it's a hockey game or a football game, they're not going to have any group large gatherings um, this year. So that's going to be interesting. I, I, we'll see, but let's go full circle. Let's bring it back to where we started this conversation. Yeah. Out of the teams, out of the leagues, is there any the year like you know they have a really good shot, or maybe you think all of them have a good shot after watching the the uh, you know the soccer leagues have success returning to play and not having teams like devastated with uh, positive tests? You know, I, I really think the NHL has uh, set themselves up in a good situation. Uh, you know, generally they get uh, maligned and panned for seemingly uh getting most things wrong <laughs> a lot of the time at least when it comes to big decisions but you know they're set up there in Canada where the the virus has had minimal impact at this point um you know I know they're going to be in a bubble they're going to be in certain hotels uh and I feel like they they've got themselves set up in a pretty good situation as much of a contact sport as hockey is I I, I feel like they can get through uh, what they have set up. And, and I think if they can get through that, that, you know, being such a contact sport, that gives the NFL some hope too, in, in terms of being able to get through things. But 
I really like what the NHL's done. And I also think MLB should be fine. Uh, you know, it certainly sounds like there's going to be no fans at Major League Baseball games. And the contact is, is pretty minimal there. You might have a, a play at second base or at home plate or on occasion. But uh, I think those two sports are definitely set up really well. Uh, the NBA, you know, being in Orlando, not totally positive about, but a lot of the players that, that are invested are, I'm sure, handling things, you know, the right way and doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, so th that one to me is the most interesting to keep tabs on, uh, see how they get through it because they're in such a, a petri dish of uh, coronavirus cases down there. But uh, uh, you know, but to the answer, I like I like what the NHL's done, and I think yeah. they have a shot at, at getting through their season. All right, let me ask you this: If you were a betting man, not saying you are, but if you were, if you were a betting man, would the NFL Week One regular season game? go off as scheduled would you bet on that to happen or would you bet on that say nope i don't think it's gonna happen boy that's a tough one jeff um i am going to say that i think well a lot of it's gonna have to do with uh, i'm curious to see if they can get training camps and stuff started on time with uh all the uh disagreements going on right now but uh I think if they can get training camp started, that the NFL can, is going to start on time, but I'm not certain that they'll get through an entire regular season without having to pause. So I, I would lay a bet on them starting on time right now. Okay, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I actually agree with you. There was a poll on Pro Football Talk's Twitter feed where they asked that question. and Majority, it was, it was probably at 65 said that they think that it will not that it might be delayed a week might be delayed two weeks you know they do have a little bit of a buffer when you look at that week off you know between the Super Bowl and the championship weekend um, you know what's that going to look like they do have some time and I think football fans need to remember I should say NFL fans need to remember that just like with Major League Baseball they're trying to negotiate in this really strange situation of a global pandemic but because there's a collective bargaining agreement already in place there comes a point where the owners can say, you know what, we're not negotiating anything more. Here's the stipulations. You got to show up for work. Now, just like with baseball, it got to that point and eventually they came back to work. But the NFLPA could file a grievance and they could certainly try to take it to a, you know, a third party and see what they can do. I'm hopeful that that's not going to happen. But I will say this, they're going to have to get the wheels in motion soon. Because it's been reported that the 28th of July or roundabout there, depending on when, like, for instance, the Steelers play on Monday Night Football in week one. So, therefore, they might be reporting the 29th. It's all about how many days prior to your first game. That's how they – when you show up for camp. Anyways, at the end of July, they're supposed to report. Now, technically, they don't have to – I mean, they could say the day before, hey, you know, we're done. We got a deal in place. Here we go. But if you're talking about testing protocol – if you're talking about testing volume, if you're talking about testing in general, making sure you have those tests, they are going to have to get things moving. Now, I will say this, and if you've been following these negotiations between the NFL and the Players Association, they have some progress made. The, the doom and gloomers out there say, oh my gosh, they have all this stuff to complain about, the preseason, the finances. A lot of that stuff can be hashed out in one meeting. And like I've always been told, my dad used to tell me this as a kid, I've heard it a bunch in the industry, nothing motivates like a deadline. And so I wouldn't be shocked if the, uh, the owners say, look, here's the deadline. It might be the 21st. It might be the 20th. 
we need to have this hashed out by then. You wouldn't be surprised if they find some middle ground uh, with some of these issues. But it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. It's going to be interesting to see what these things look like. Uh, last question before we go into our break. Out of all the sports that are getting ready to start, do you see any sport starting and not finishing? Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like <laughs> and I, I keep going back to them being in Orlando, that the NBA <laughs> has, the, uh, has the toughest road ahead of them uh, just because uh, of, of all the cases and thinking that it's, it's going to be awfully difficult to uh, keep it contained, whether these guys are in a bubble or not. I, I don't know how uh, the entire situation is stacked up. But, uh, and, and I also feel like, you know, Major League Baseball with the travel that they have set up uh, – could uh, make things difficult too. Um, but I would, I would say the NBA is going to have the hardest time getting through things. All right. It's going to be interesting. Coming up after this break, we're going to talk college sports, moving seasons, the impact that'll have players. What do they do? Student athletes. We'll be right back after this break. We're back with Mike Kovac talking sports, really in general, but we're all now we're going to focus on the college game. The major conferences, Mike, have started to say, you know, we're going to play conference, just in interconference games in 2020. Some people were even skeptical that that's going to happen. Some leagues have either canceled, like the Ivy League, their fall sports, but some are starting to say we're going to move our fall sports to the spring. My question for you is if that were to happen, there's got to be a ripple effect, right? I mean, you think about fall sports like football. If you move it to the spring, what are some of the impacts that that could have, not only on student athletes, but the sport itself? Well, they're, they're massive. Um, you know, especially if, if it ends up happening at the Division I level, because there's so much money tied into major college football, the Power Five conferences, television contracts. Um, you're talking about having to, you know, renegotiate everything and, and, and flip schedules and, uh, you know, it costs, you know, it can cost up to $100,000 for a school to get a team to a game, especially if that fly, say Pitt's got a game at uh, Florida State. You know, they could be looking at a uh, $100,000 bill just to get everybody there, um, as, as crazy as that sounds, um, you know, during normal times. So, uh, you know, in flipping to the spring, you know, uh, it impacts financial, the financial impacts are, are just massive. You're looking at schools that rely, their entire athletic departments rely on the revenue that football brings in. And even, we're even talking about schools that where the football program might not play to capacity or may not be a, a power every year, or, or may just be, you know, a, you know, six and 16 most years, they're still the breadwinners in their athletic department whether it's at North Carolina or Pitt, places like that that don't pack the house very often, or, you know, especially at places like Ohio State and Penn State, where, you know, you're getting a hundred some thousand and, and the fan base is rabid and the teams are successful. Uh, you know, and, and another thing is I, I keep thinking about is how it's going to impact uh, guys that are, are thinking about pro careers at this point, uh, Jeff. And, 
you know, you, you look at some of these teams, you know, you look at that pit defense and there were three guys in particular in, in Jalen Twyman, Patrick Jones, the second and Paris Ford who bypassed making themselves eligible for the NFL draft to return for the season. And if that season gets pushed at the spring and say accommodations are made with the NFL to push their draft back and, and whatnot, but uh, which I imagine would, would happen. But if you're one of those guys that's saying, man, I'm a first or second round pick or, or maybe even a third round pick, what's the point of playing in the spring? You're probably potentially putting your pro, you know, delaying your pro career if you get injured, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't see the value in that if, if you're a, uh, you know, a pro caliber player and you'd have to think about uh, dropping out and, and just training and getting ready for the pros. And, and I think that waters down the, the competition a little bit. Uh, you know, you lose some star power, uh, you lose some top players, and uh, it's not good for the game. Well, there's definitely going to be pressure in, in the football realm when it comes to this. Because, I mean, you think about it. So saying we're going to move to the spring sounds simple. It sounds like, wow, that's simple. It's really easy. We'll just take the football from the fall. We'll move it to the spring. Everything will be honky-dory. And next thing you know, they'll go into the draft and then they'll be in the NFL. No, there's more to it than that. Can the NFL move their date for the draft? Because if you think about it, their whole calendar is built around free agency. Once a a new calendar year begins for the NFL in March, it's free agency. It's the NFL draft. And then you start your off-season workouts. Now, those were disrupted this year for obvious reasons. But if you move the draft, how is that going to impact everything else? And not only that, you think about the college football season. You know, you have that season, which is still pretty short in comparison to the NFL. They normally have that time where they have bowl season, and then a vast majority of the athletes are done, and they get a break. And then they go into the – they get to train. They get ready for the combine, and they go into the draft. They have time to get acclimated to the pro game. I cannot see the NFL saying, we're going to be okay with you moving into the spring because it's going to throw everything off. In which case, if they were to, if the NCAA were to say, you know what, we don't care what you think, NFL, even though you view us as a minor league system, we're not, we're going to do what we think is best. I think that you would see a mass exodus of pro-ready players saying, I'm leaving. I'm not yeah. going to play this season. In which case, you wonder, like, what is that? how would that work with the opt-outs? How would that work out with scholarship money? Would universities say, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to opt out for the NFL draft, you're going to lose money. We're, we're going to basically say you're done. You're going to leave this university because you're not under scholarship unless you want to pay. I mean, does that make sense to you, Mike? Like, I don't think the NFL is going to be lenient with this. It, it does. Uh, you know, it definitely makes sense. I mean, you would hope that if, you know, worst comes to worst and, and the NCAA does have to move to the spring, that something can be arranged with the NFL, but you brought up some good points. The NFL I mean, they dominate the sports calendar even in the off season, you know, yeah. because like you said, the draft and those things, those are huge, huge deals. Um, it, it's an interesting, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting scenario. And, you know, you mentioned, it seems like a lot of conferences and, and schools and it's the, the decisions are going to be up to, you know, those type of places in terms of whether they honor scholarships or not. And it does seem like most places right now, the general consensus is no matter what happens, if players do opt out because of safety concerns or because, you know, they're, uh, you know, going to focus on getting ready for the pros if, if it's moved to the spring, that uh, scholarships are, are being honored. Uh, 
at least that's the word coming out of a lot of places that they will be honored uh, no matter what players decide. Uh, but, you know, you, you think, uh, you think about the product and, and uh, I, how do, do they shorten the schedule for college football? Uh, do they compact it into uh, you play every week for two and a half months? Uh, it's a 10 game schedule or, or something along those lines, uh, which is some of the ideas are toying with right now, uh, you know, with big 10 going conference only. The ACC hasn't made a decision yet. The SEC hasn't made a decision yet, but there's a lot of talk that uh, the ACC may divide up into pods and go home and home series and maybe have a crossover game with the SEC if it can uh, not be a big travel expense um, to, to kind of keep things at a minimum if they can play in the fall. But that's the big thing. They don't know yet if they can play. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, in terms of timeline, it's getting you know, it's rapidly running out of time to really truly make a decision whether they're going to be able to start things up uh, on schedule or are they going to have to push things back to the spring or can they somehow start in October and just eliminate all that bowl game stuff. There's a lot on the line and and there's only at this point maybe two, three weeks tops to really get things figured out. So let's, let's put on your prediction cap. If you were to you 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 follow this way more way closer than I do, what do you think is going to happen with this college football season? If you were to guess just by what you've read, the gist that you've gotten from whether it's a coach like Narduzzi or whether it's what the ACC director is saying, what are your thoughts? I think uh, you know, it, as you said earlier, if I was a betting man, if I was a betting man with college sports right now, I would bet against uh, the uh, fall sports season. Uh, being played on time, uh, getting started on time. Uh, there's just so many more logistics for colleges to deal with than, than the pros, more student athletes getting tested, uh, more teams, more variables uh, that are kind of harder to control than with professional athletes. And unless uh, somehow the current uh, situation changes and, and, and numbers really start to decrease here shortly. I think colleges are going to have a hard time getting started. Uh, you're looking at, uh, you know, like the division two uh, Pennsylvania state athletic conference has already said uh, that we're moving. Uh, we're going to try to move our fall sports to the spring, do the best that we can with that. It's easier for a division two or, you know, an FCS or a division three conference or school to do those type of things. Not as much money involved. Uh, not as much worry in terms of tickets and things like that. But uh, I, I do think that uh, big time college football is going to have a very difficult time starting on time or even having a season in the fall. So, okay. So you're saying that there is a chance in your, in your own opinion that they could just delay it and we could still potentially scrap something. I mean, my gosh, when you said, well, you know, with all the bowls, they could just eliminate them. There is so much money. In those bowl games. I don't care if it's the Doritos Outback uh, Meineke Car Care Bowl. There's a ton of money in that game between who knows what teams from what conference, you know. It's just going to be crazy to see. And like I said, I I hate to say this. I hope you're wrong. I I hope that they're – I hope they're able to figure something out. I hope that even if it's just conference schedules with the big – the big power conferences that they're able to do something that's not going to disrupt everything. I know everyone wants to be safe and I want the players to be safe there. It's a different game because 
the NFL players are getting paid millions of dollars. And even if they're not getting paid millions, they're getting paid hundreds of thousands. These athletes are students. They're not getting paid anything, not yet anyways. It's going to be interesting. But, Mike, I thank you for your insight because, my gosh, you know so much more than I do when it comes to college football and college sports. Thank you for your time. Remember, make sure you check out DK's Daily Shot every morning. That's published really early in the morning. It should be on your device when you wake up. Make sure you check out behind the, Back Through the Tunnel. Uh, obviously, that's your PM podcast hosted by yours truly. We'll be back next Monday talking Pirates, Penguins, and Steelers. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you. Thank you.